This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcast. You guys, we have saved the best for last, the not least. Um, his name is Kenneth Lawrence. He is part of Death with Whistle... Whistle... <laughs> Whistle films. And, Got a um, lisp there. Death Whistle. Death Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he did a horror short for Horror Hound Film Fest called No Signature Required. And it was... Well, we'll, we'll get there, but it was absolutely fucking incredible. Um, so thank you so much, Kenneth, for being on the podcast tonight. Oh, more than my pleasure. Thanks um, for having me. Absolutely. Oh, sure, yeah. And um, we saw the trailer for the No Signature Required, like when they were doing all of the trailers for all of the movies. And I was intrigued because I was like, I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> so I was like really excited. To, I was like, girl gets a package. What's happening? Yep. Um, yeah. That was one of, I just want to tell you, that was one of the best concepts for something I've ever seen. Um, Agreed. I have never seen anything i literally my girlfriend was getting ready for work and my mouth was just agape while i was looking at my laptop and she's like what is going on and i was like i just saw one of the best concepts for a horror film that i've ever seen in my entire life yeah and i was like i need a whole i need i need a feature. especially the ending yes i've watched it kenneth i've watched it three times now and the ending every time i'm like i need i need more <laughs> i need more i need i need more of it um, so we usually start off, before we get into No Signature Required, we kind of like to ask for funsies, um, especially with you being a filmmaker. Do you have a particular horror movie that's, what's your favorite scary movie? Do you have a particular <laughs> horror movie that's your favorite horror franchise? Um, even, uh, some people have their own, like, types of horror genres that they enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I've got all that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same here. Uh, um, I mean, if I were to say my favorite film, it would probably be Evil Dead 2. Yes. But 
there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in that. A thousand percent. Um, yeah, I still say it's, you know, it's a fantastic film. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> right now, um, one of my favorite films, I mean, my favorite film to come up in the last 15, 20 years is Hereditary. Oh, oh my God. Yep. Yes, sir. Oh my God, I love Hereditary so fucking much. We are we are big yeah. Ari Aster fans over here. Yep. Yeah, me too. I mean, he, um, you know, not to be, I don't know, but you know, he makes the kind of films I want to make, which are, you know, just good films yes. that happen to be horrific. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, like uh, Tony Cut completely snubbed by the Oscars because he should have won an Oscar for that movie. The scene, um, the dinner scene alone. The dinner table scene. I mean, that's, that that's, scene always, alone, that's yeah. always the one that everybody comes back to. That's always the one that... That's the one I quote that the she's most, asked, too. That's the one she's asked about a lot in interviews. Um, rightfully so, and I, I couldn't agree more. I am... Um, I will be 39 next week, so I grew up with the Evil Dead franchise. Um, so, like, Evil Dead 2 was, like, one of those early, like, first horror films I ever saw. Um, I actually got introduced to the franchise backwards, which is strange. Like, I saw Army of Darkness first, and then <laughs> went, like, completely yeah. backwards, and I was like, oh, my God, I love these movies. But Evil Dead 2, there's just something so incredible, especially the ending mm -hmm. is, yeah. like, my personal favorite it's always been like that whole film but like the end especially is like what am i all just like the kind of claymation style mm -hmm. of of everything i just definitely yeah, something very I mean, nostalgic about that i mean barring some questionable special effects towards the end um <laughs> which which are lovely you know it's got again it's it's it has a charm all its own um but you know, Bruce Campbell's physical comedy in yes. that is, is unmatched. I mean, it's amazing what he does in that movie. And that film is just, just fires on all cylinders. The pacing is perfect. That, you know, everything about that movie is just, just hits, you know, whereas I think uh, Army of Darkness, which is a really fun movie. It's a great movie. I love Sam Raimi, but it's not quite the lightning in a bottle that Evil Dead 2 is. I couldn't Agreed. agree more. Absolutely agreed. And, I couldn't agree and more. to bounce off of uh, Hereditary, I remember seeing Hereditary in the theater, and you know, I the way that it was advertised was not the film that I expected to see, and um, the first time I saw it, I hated it because I was like, "This is not what I wanted to see." But I had to watch it again, and now I'm like ridiculously stupid obsessed with it. But I will never forget when we were in the theater and when that happened to Charlie, the whole theater shifted. Now I kind of wish I would have seen it like in the theater. Every, that, that Cause was... everybody was like enjoying themselves. Like you could tell, like everybody was just like, this is great horror movie, whatever. Everybody was kind of talking a little bit amongst themselves. You know how movie theaters be. And then when that happened, you could literally like, no one was breathing. It was so yep. quiet in there. And I was like, well, Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, Ari Aster, he, he uses gore sparingly, but when he uses it, it's so much more effective because he earns it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and it's wrapped up in this true kind of, you know, this real drama and this real kind of, you know, psychological horror that is really hard to pull off. And he, it seems effortless to him. Yeah, that particular scene, that moment, you know, which everybody talks about, um, and if anybody listening doesn't know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. they haven't seen the movie. Um, right, because it's the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it the first time at my house, but I have, you know, I have a projector, so I was, oh, that's um, cool. and, um, I was on my couch and I was actually laying down. And when that happened, I sat bolt upright and said, what the fuck? It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I haven't had that reaction to a movie in, I don't know, like a, like a physical reaction to a film. That's a very proper response <laughs> to that yes. scene. I think I pretty much did this. I think I pretty much did the same thing. I don't think I was laying down, but I was just on my couch and I was like, the, the fuck? Like, it, yeah. I, I was, was like, well, this game. movie changed its tune awful quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while I was, I was kind of addicted to watching reaction videos of people watching her right Oh, yes. forwarding to that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Those are the best. I, I like those type of, videos anyway mm-hmm. but the reaction videos to that particular scene or the scene at the thing. end where you know she saws her head off with a piano wire um there's that too <laughs> yep that's a good one too yep. yep i'm like i can watch it i can't listen to it i have to mute it because it, it does something to my, uh, my body yeah. that i can't yeah it's a very it's it's a I, I have that with certain sounds of certain things. It's yeah. like a real strange visceral reaction to which it to the credit of the filmmaker, that's yeah. the whole point, right? Like you yep. want to elicit that <clears throat> reaction in their audience in your audience. You wanna you wanna make them squirm a little bit. Um mm-hmm. so to start, we'll go from the very beginning, Kenneth. Um what got you into filmmaking to begin with? What was your inspiration and uh, what made you want to be a filmmaker? Well, I mean, I kind of always wanted to be a filmmaker, but, um, you know, for a long time, it was financially prohibitive, right? So, like, I played around with video for a while, but it just didn't look right, you know? And, um, but fairly recently, uh, technology got to the point where, you know, you, for a few thousand bucks, you can make a film that, if you've got talented people, can come pretty damn close to, you know, the quality, um, you know, that you're getting from major studio releases. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're not going to make The Avengers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, smaller scale dramas and, and horror films can can certainly be pulled off um and so that's what kind of drew me to it i was my my degree is in music um so i was producing music for a long time and music production uh technology you know since the mid 90s um maybe even a little earlier was at a point where you know you could produce stuff at home and again if, if you're somewhat talented you can make a, a recording that sounds you know 99% there to mm-hmm. the big studios and what have you um, and when kind of film technology got to that point or digital film um, I jumped on it <laughs> yeah I don't blame you one bit I we 
talked about that before on um, a previous podcast, how technology now has made it so much easier for independent artists across the board to be able to have pretty much be able to not only pull off without a big studio, but essentially also have like more creative control over, over what they, what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely has opened the floodgates for a lot of people. Um, for better or for worse. <laughs> what's that? I said for better or for worse. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Well, I'm firmly convinced I have a saying that, um, almost all of almost everything sucks. Um, and I, I firmly believe that, you know, like 99% of the, well, maybe not 99%, but almost all of the content of anything, be it, you know, indie music or indie films or indie blah, blah, is, is going to be terrible, you know? And that is because a lot of it is people who, you know, are just starting out. Yes. My first films are terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people don't go beyond that you know they make a film or they make record a track or whatever and they're like i can't um and just it's also you know not everybody is good at stuff <laughs> um, so uh it's you know it's just it's just the way things are right people talk about i'm kind of getting off on a tangent here but you know, people talk about how like Saturday Night Live isn't funny, and then, well, you know, back back in the '70s or the '80s or the '90s or whatever their heyday was, you know, then it was funny. But if you watch those shows, they, it wasn't any more funny. It's just you've forgotten all the stuff that sucked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that it's like. I think it was me and Becky's husband, and we we both love The Legend of Boggy Creek, and I remembered <clears throat> it being this this amazingly terrifying film, and I went back and watched it like a year ago, and was like. The hell? I'm like, this is not what I remember. <laughs> and it's like the nostalgia that you have. The same, <laughs> the same thing happened when I tried to show, and and my husband's uh, a few years older than me, so it's when I tried to show him uh, like '90s shows, like I like all that that was on Nickelodeon. Like I tried, I was like, oh, this show was so funny, and I showed him an episode of it, and I was like, oh, this. This was <laughs> like this is not really this funny right now because <laughs> he's yeah. I can see the reaction on his face and he's looking at me like uh and I'm like oh okay so this was funny when I was ten <laughs> it's not so funny now when I'm yep. almost forty um and I think also a lot of things to certain people um I I saw something online today where uh. I think a lot of things are subjective and I think that some things can also go back to that saying beauty is in the eye of the beholder mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. I think that uh, to some people, I, I also think some people are kind of overly critical about things, but I think that ultimately there's some things where like a hundred people could say it sucks, but like that one person was like, Oh, I really like that though. So I think that it's kind of like, I do. I, I think there's a lot of that, especially when you were talking about early stuff. And I always think of like one of my favorite filmmakers because he's so humble about it. And still to this day, I don't think people will ever, and who knows if they'll ever take him seriously as a filmmaker is Kevin Smith. And his 
Clerks, I will always love Clerks. And I think because it is so quirky and kitschy and weird and doesn't really make any sense and it's shot in black and white and there's like all these things going on. And um, But if you enjoy it and you get it, or however perspective you get of it, it's like, oh, I really like this. Even though watching it compared to his other movies, you could pinpoint a million things wrong with it because it was his first major film. But I, I don't know. I think I, I agree with you, but I also think some things are just like, I think some people well, just perceive things in different ways. And that's entirely, entirely true. And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, um, to, to sound like I, that, that when I say almost all of everything sucks is is not to say that um you know things aren't subjective because they certainly are um you know I, I <laughs> sometimes I feel that some things are objectively bad you know you get your birdemic shock and awe films you know it's are, like when you get on the Amazon Prime and you're like I'm gonna find a hidden gem horror film today and it takes you like eighteen. Until you actually do yeah. find the hidden gem. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the totally dialogue. Get it. I mean, not even the dialogue. Just It's just poorly made. You know, yeah. the, the, the audio is bad. The, yes. The, the composition is bad. I mean, you know, um, but, that's a, but barring that, um, I kind of, a while ago, I came to, came to the conclusion that, you know, I go see a movie. I found that I was often disappointed with the film because it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out, like yes. how mm -hmm. I expected it to be, you know? So now when I go to a movie, I try to just clear my head of preconceptions and just let the director take me where, you know, he wants to go. Um, I couldn't agree more. And, yeah, and it's, you know, it's, and I also try to judge a film based on, well, did the director make the film he wanted to make? You know, and even if it's not for me, it's it's for somebody if, you know, they succeeded in in, you know, creating the movie they were trying to make. So. That was you... that was exactly me with Hereditary, like I told you. I yeah. went in expecting a ghost story, which technically in a weird way is kind of what I got, but it wasn't what I was expecting. So uh -huh. I was like, I have to give this movie a second chance. And then when I did... I'm I'm like you now. I go into films trying not to expect anything because a I lot of times I think everybody should watch films like that. Yeah, but I that really can be do. Hard. I think that's just hard for. I think that's hard for. Anybody. That's why I try not Especially to watch with, trailers anymore with advertisement. Um, yeah, but I was also going to say too, Kenneth. You brought up a good point about um, is this the film that the director wanted? Because I also don't think a lot of people understand like the behind the scenes of a lot of stuff that goes into producing movies and all that kind of thing where a director may have a certain vision, but if the production company's like, nope, and yeah. all of a sudden it goes through all these cuts and then the movie comes out and the director's name's attached to it, but he's like, that's not the movie I made like that. Case in point, and this was years later I found out about this, was Blair Witch 2. People dog the hell out of Blair Witch 2, but then if you find out later what happened with Joe Berlinger and, and the producers and that he pretty much like lost control. Like that was not the ultimate yeah. movie that he wanted to make at all. The soundtrack, everything, the way the movie was edited, it was very, very, very different than how he wanted it to be. 
Yeah, and that's a great example. I mean, the Blair Witch 2 was, you know, I think it, personally, I think the final cut is laughably bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but um, the movie he was trying to make had some really interesting ideas in there. And yeah, the producers were like, well, we're going to go kind of lowest common denominator and create this really generic horror film, which still had like some, which didn't work because he was trying to make a really weird film. And so and then, then you're left with this kind of weird concept that's shoved into this middle America horror film bucket. And yeah, you just, and you end up with, with whatever, whatever it is. Whatever Book of Shadows was trying to be. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, you know, and like, it just, one other thing on the, uh, the whole, like, you know, it just might not be for you. Like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, um, Mike Flanagan. Yes. A fucking Um, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Haunting of Hill House is the best horror TV ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, he really hasn't done anything I I haven't liked, uh, except for the Midnight Club. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's really well made. It's just not for me. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's targeted at a younger audience and I couldn't connect with it, you know, and that's fine. You know, everything doesn't have to be for you. <laughs> exactly. I haven't watched it yet I have myself, either. but um, I've had the same thing happen with me where certain things I'm just like, you know, maybe if if i was if i was my younger self like if this was my teenage self liking this i probably would have loved it but mm-hmm. at this age right now this is <laughs> this yep. is just not yep. you know if, if my niece watched it she'd probably love it me yep. you know this is just not this is just not for for me but um i did want to also say uh I saw your picture. We both got to meet Henry Thomas. That is so cool. Right. I was so happy he was there. That was like lifelong childhood dream, everything fulfilled. Yes. Yeah, he was, yeah, very, very nice guy. Um, and yes, a freaking national treasure. Oh, for sure. Oh, protect at all costs. Yes. Very much so. Exactly. Very, very much so. Um, where, to get into No Signature Required, because... Like I said, I've watched it three times already. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Love everything about it, especially the ending. Where did the concept for the short come from? It's it's kind of interesting. So I played a I played a, a rock band, um, and uh, so I had when I come up with concepts for films, I you know I come up with like the concept and then I kind of flesh it up my brand. I don't put anything down on paper until I've got kind of a beginning and middle and end, you know? Um, so I had this idea of a box. It's a cardboard box on a doorstep. Um, and that just seemed creepy to me. Right. <laughs> so it was a very uh, innocuous I, kind of like, huh, <laughs> what is yeah, this? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's just like, you know, and so then I kind of was bouncing around like, okay, well, what's in the box? You know, that's obviously the next. And I was thinking, okay, well, a head in a box is is kind of scary, and I've always had a thing about decapitation. There was a movie yeah. it was on creature creature double feature when I was a kid called um, "The Thing That Wouldn't Die." Oh, and... oh my goodness, yes. You're bringing up some childhood stuff here. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it was a yeah, dismembered like warlock. His body parts are buried all over it. Somebody found his head and they were carrying it around in a hat box and you know, it was alive. And that creeped the shit out of me as a kid. And um so but then I was that was like, okay, well whatever. And I was like, well what if it's what if it's your head? Right. So then that struck me as even more kind of creepy. Okay. Oh, but, yeah. But that's as far as I got with it for several weeks, just kinda and then I was playing a show with my band and I was kind of zoning out and the whole thing just hit me like all at once, like everything, including the kind of, you know, second half with the woman coming in after the whole kind of switcheroo happens. Um, it just all came to me in one, like, you know, during one song. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. And then, and that's, you know, so I, I try not to force it. Um, as Tenacious D said, you can't force Inspirato. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> I love Tenacious. But, I love Tenacious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, come on, the greatest band in the world. Yes, very know. much so. Um, yeah. So that's basically where it came from. It was just, um, you know, just building on ideas. I love that too because it was like I was telling Becky after I saw it. I was like, I have seen a bazillion horror films. And I'm yeah. like, it's been a long time since I've been genuinely wowed by a new concept like this. I'm like, I... And it was a horror short that also really creeped me out. Like, the last mm -hmm. time, you know, the Lights Out movie yeah, based exactly. on that lights short. Out, yeah. um, that short scared the, the oh, yeah. ever-loving shit out of me. I'll never get that face out of my head. And just to, to have something that... And again, it's just a very, like, oh, you're turning the light out. Oh, my God, something's there. Like, it's yeah. the same, I, uh... It's the same thing. I work from home. Day-to-day -day thing. I work from home. I'm typically home by myself. So, like, even that concept of watching it and thinking, like, oh, my God, if I opened my door and just saw this box sitting here, like... <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd, I'd call my husband. I'd be like, did you order, did you, did you order anything off Amazon? Did we, were we expecting anything? Nope. Okay. Um, I'm calling the police. What's happening? Like, it's just a, I mean, that for me and I, and, uh, that's something Casper and I talk about a lot is, um, which I think is another thing that's just very natural for a moviegoer is that, uh, you will find little things in a film that you personally connect with, like, either it's something that's relatable or it brings up a childhood memory or, or anything. And that like really pulls you even more into it because now you have a, now you have a personal connection. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and you know, we're talking about films being subjective. I mean, fear is, oh my is God. incredibly subjective. Yes. You know? um, I think there are some kind of base universal fears and that's what, yes. you know, I think that's what Ari Aster taps into this kind of, you know, this fear of morality, basically not morality, mortality, mortality. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, yeah. So it's, but it's, you know, I, I, I thank you for, you know, <laughs> the kind words about the uniqueness of the concept. Um, but you know, everything is built on the shoulders of giants, right? Right. I mean, mm -hmm. This is kind of, a, my film was kind of a variation on, an invasion of the body snatchers kind of <laughs> it and i i, and I, I totally that. got yeah. that because i'm i'm a big fan of and actually i even liked the nicole kidman daniel craig one and i know that gets a lot of hate but yeah, it wasn't terrible it's, it's just the 70s one was so good oh it's yeah. oh by by far <laughs> by far the best 
but I, I think it's more of like a modern day retelling of it. And I think having that like human fear and then like she can't find her son. And it was just like, yeah, that that one was there. And then like bringing in like, oh, it's an inoculation. Like that was kind of a weird take on it. But you're absolutely right. I did connect with that. And also that kind of, which that was one of those, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers was one of those first times. That's that's a, that's always been a fear of mine, the, the doppelganger thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when people always say like, oh, there's a, you've got a twin like somebody looks just like you like I'm scared of I, that I used to think them. I used to think that that's actually always creeped me out I think people think that's kind of like oh that's cool me I'm almost like no I I'm don't. like oh where were they because I'm gonna make sure I don't find them right thank you <laughs> where did you see them at? so I make sure I never go there <laughs> or find them and kill them with fire yes you have oh. to you flamethrower immediately like you have to go you I have to take you out there can only be one like and it has to be me so um, but no, I love the yeah. fact that you do, you know, you do see a lot of new concepts and new movies coming out. That kind that, of piggyback on. That do, and yes. you can kind of see the movies that inspired them and things like that, but they're taking it and making it their, their own. own. And that's, that's the beauty of, that's what we want as horror fans, especially right now. We're so sick of fucking remakes. I, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because, <laughs> you know, like to me, what's interesting about horror is is the same thing that is interesting about science fiction this this idea of taking you know a story and and basically using it as you know an allegory or, or a, you know for for a for a deeper societal issue or yes. psychological issue or mm-hmm. you know um just thematically to have it kind of mean something else right the original body snatchers thematically was about you know um Cats fighting behind me. Hey, cut up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the original Body Snatchers was, you know, kind of the Red Scare, right? Communism. Mm-hmm. And then the 70s one was about how people were kind of losing their connection with each other. And uh, um, so, and this I don't think really came through in my film, but the kind of deepest thematic element of it would be, um, you know, I, I was thinking as i wrote it uh this whole trump thing and the amount of people who have been kind of lost you know um kind of turned into something else Mm. like i have i have family members i don't talk to anymore you know because they've gone full preppy brainwashed (laughs) yeah and it's just it's it's weird you know? Yeah, I agree. I think there was kind of like this, and I've I've said it many times myself, where it almost seems like there was like this collective, and I I think I think we're able to notice it more now than then. But I think that there were sort of precursors to this. Like I don't think this was something that was that just kind of came out of the blue. I think it was sort of building that when it oh, happened, it was like whoa, and then it was almost kind of like a. I don't know. It was like a psychosis almost. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's about the only way you can look at it where it really, and then, um, you know, unfortunately like COVID happened right after that. And then that created even more of a, like, just, it's been a domino huge effect. divide where everybody, I really think a lot of people just got really, really scared and either 
went one way or went the other way. They either got scared and just completely lost their mind <laughs> or yeah. got scared and and well, maybe refound I mean, their minds. I don't know how to put that different way. <laughs> I've got I've got I've got a whole theory on on the kind of Trump um phenomena. Um but I don't want to go into it because this should be about horror and upbeat stuff. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's real life horror. No, I mean, yeah, we're talking about yeah, upbeat yeah. horror. You know, like, we're talking about happy horror. horror no, but I definitely, I kind of saw what you meant, you know, you saying that I took a deeper meaning, even from your short film. My thought was, you know, you always have the darker side of yourself and you can, you can give into that. You know, that that's Ooh. kind of what I got from it, to be honest. Oof, like your dark twin or something. Exactly. Like, you could, you have a choice. You can either give in to your dark side or not, and she gave in to her dark side. That's what yeah. I gained from it. Anakin turned into and, Darth Vader? Yes. <laughs> and it's funny, because that's not at all what I intended, but it's, perf it's, a, perfectly, it's a perfectly valid interpretation. <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, I like to leave my films, you know, open-ended to a certain degree. I like them to be, have a satisfying conclusion, but not a definitive conclusion, you know? Um, and talking with people at festivals and whatnot, you know, people have said, oh, you know, what I took from it is this, and, you know, often it's not at all what I had in mind, but it's, it's a perfectly valid interpretation of, of what I actually made. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you, I mean, do you find something like, because we've, out of, out of all the, all the films that we've watched, the shorts and everything that we've watched from Horror Hound and everybody that we've been able to interview about them, it is really interesting how, uh, and even Casper and I being being best friends and, and business partners and doing this podcast together, um, we're pretty like-minded in the type of horror that we watch, but even we can watch the same movie mm -hmm. and interpret two completely different things. Is that something as a filmmaker that you appreciate that you're having people watch your film from all different perspectives even if it wasn't essentially the one that you intended it to be yeah i mean i think that's a sign of a film that you know is thematically deep yeah. you know this is more going on than just what's floating on the surface um and yeah definitely i think um i think that's a that's i think it's a great thing i'm very interested in the the question of like where meaning comes from you know, and right. like the kind of classic deconstructionist concept is, you know, it can come from the art or from the artist or from the the viewer, you know, right. in the case of a film. Um, and, you know, I think it comes from all three. Uh, and is any one more valid than the other? I don't know. <laughs> I agree with that because I do think that there are, I, and I think this is always something that's brought up too, where you'll have filmmakers where people will go, well, they're just making movies for themselves. And it goes, well, I mean, yeah, because it's their film, right? So they they are essentially making the type of films that they that they want to make cuz why else wouldn't they otherwise they wouldn't enjoy it. But the beauty that can come away from that is that even though they're making this film quote unquote for themselves, there's going to be either one, two or two million people that are going to enjoy their vision and get it right along with them. I mean, I have scores yeah. of filmmakers that I adore that I've heard people like Scorsese and 
Tarantino, where, you know, you'll hear their detractors say, oh, well, they're only making movies for them. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah. And I think that's been pretty successful for them so far. I mean, in all right? honesty, Ari Aster is one of those people, and too. And, too, yeah. I mean, Same thing. people either hate Jordan, or love. Jordan Peele, you know. People yeah. either hate or love Hereditary and Midsummer. I don't see people that are, like, in the middle. Right. People are like, this movie was amazingly the best thing I've ever seen. Or they're like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my right. life. So, or I didn't get or Or I didn't get it. And I hate it because I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that too. And, you know, it's when I think you need that you need an artistic, you know, not to sound grandiose, but you need an artistic vision driving a film, you yes. know. Um, otherwise, you end up with, you know, the elephant by committee, right? Um, or the horse by committee or whatever the, the analogy is. Um, but, you know, just basically a Frankenstein monster. Frankenstein is a monster of different ideas and which don't all work together. And you, you end up with a studio film. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just funny because it was true. Oh. <laughs> you know, so. Um, as far as, like, what I intended for the film, it's, like, my, what I find horrific is, um, well, mortality, and um, just, like, this Lovecraftian concept mm -hmm. of, of, a dark, vast, uncaring universe, right? It's like, you're not special, and I'm not special, and nobody's special, and nothing is special, right? And sometimes bad shit just happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and when God closes a window, he doesn't open a door, or whatever, the freaking closes the door, he doesn't open a window, you know, and good things don't happen to good people, and bad things don't happen to bad people, and shit just happens, and nothing cares. Um, to me, that's terrifying um, because it's likely true. As well. mm -hmm. And there's such a finality to that too that I think a lot of people yeah. it find very yeah. disturbing. That when you don't have that, you know, because having that concept of when one door closes, another one opens, and it's like that you have hope. Then it's yeah. like, oh, hope that even though even yeah. you could feel so down, but the concept of hope, if you at least have hope. You you've got something to hold on to, but then if you have, but then if you're like, if that's slip, if that's just pulled away from you, yeah, it's finite. There's a there's a finality to that, and it's just it ends and it's done, and there's nothing, and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't I, like I don't think I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan. I just I really got my husband into his stuff because he listens to a lot of uh like audiobooks at work. Um. So yeah, you get you get deep into HP Lovecraft stuff, it will it'll put you in a hole. <laughs> you got, but it's, yeah. but but visually I what I love, what I've always loved about his stuff, which I could also say about No Signature Required, and it visually it's and even though his stuff is, you know, if you're just reading it and not looking at any of the like uh movie adaptations, um as dark as the story may be, it's like visually there's something so stunning about it. Yeah, I mean, Lovecraft is, you know, you say the movie adaptation, and there's only been a couple that have been any good. Um, yeah. Because he is really hard to film because mm -hmm. he often he often doesn't describe things too deeply. Like, he'll often say, he, he's, he was very fond of the word undescribable, you know? Um, and you're just like, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. You know, and I have this whole theory about 
Lovecraft too, which plays into my like love the Lovecraftian kind of pantheon, um, which kind of plays into my personal cinematic universe. He was an interesting <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a really kind of pathetic figure of a human. I he really was, but he was so sad. Like, I think that's what that that I think that's another thing that why it was so why it his adaptations are so hard to film because to get into his head of what he saw that was fueled by ultimately depression and despair and grief and all these just like, yeah. really terrible. I mean, he, was, he was a very complex person. He was, he was also a horrible racist, you know? Yeah. Um, oh boy. I try to over as a, as a black person. I, I tried over. Well, you try, yeah. you try to go, well, it was the times and you know, <laughs> Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, he was he was beyond even for the times. You know, I'm I'm half black, um, so I had a complicated relationship with Lovecraft. Boy, uh, yeah, uh, uh. Um, as I'm sure you did. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, but I lived in I grew up in I live in Gloucester now, which is oh okay you know, one of, one of the towns that inspired Innsmouth. Yes, and, we um, we went to um, Salem and Fall River yeah. uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep, I grew up in Danvers, so, which is a town nice. over from Salem. Yep. In fact, in fact, Danvers is where the witch trials actually happened. Yes. Um, That's where we actually Danvers. stayed. Yeah, we actually stayed, we in, actually stayed in, in Danvers. Danvers. And, then, yep. yeah, so. <laughs> and I could see the Danvers State Mental Institution from my bedroom window, which, you know, oh, of course, is we drove. So yeah, we found it and we drove, you know, because it's very expensive condos, condos now. So yeah. we drove it and found it. Um, of Well, we found the it was the beach that we went to that we found out was the inspiration for was the call of Cthulhu mm-hmm. and then met those people on the beach. And they were like, Oh, if you know where Danver state asylum and like the guy's brother worked on it and was telling us how haunted it was. And we were like, Oh my God. And then, uh, and then you see it and you're like, ah, Arkham asylum. Like, <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, the, I mean, you should have seen it before they turned it to condos because they, Oh. They kept the they kept the original building and they kept you know the facade right and it's very gothic and very impressive, but they tore down the tremendous amount of like wings going off it for all of the same kind of style. And um, you know when I was a kid it was shut down, but you know me and my buddies would smoke weed and break into the basement. And <laughs> I mean, as you do, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, it was a you know I don't believe in. The supernatural, but it was terrifying. Um, I can only imagine. You know. I, I think that, but I, you know what? It's funny that you say that because I do tell people that even though, even if you say you don't believe in the supernatural, I think that because I've met people though that are like, but I definitely believe that there are things that can happen that just are completely unexplained. Like there is no, like I have no answers for this. Well, yeah, I think the universe is a vast and bizarre place. You know, very true, um, and we don't understand all the rules. Uh, very true. And you get get into additional dimensions, and you know, <laughs> it's like who the hell knows what's going on. Man, but, I found hey, out Lovecraft. Rabbit, I found out a rabbit hole of that one time. Lovecraft, parallel universes and different dimensions, and I was like, I don't know what I believe. Oh anymore. yeah, don't you get <laughs> you get too deep into that, and you're just like, yeah. okay. <laughs> My well, brain's I love like the concept of of like. You know, spatial dimensions, right? So we we live in three spatial dimensions, and then yes. So that if but then then you think about two dimensional creatures, right? If something lived in a two dimensional world, right? Then we would basically be gods to them because mm-hmm. they couldn't hide from us. You know, we could see them without them seeing us. 
And if we like put our hand through their plane of existence, they would just see like a, an MRI, you know, kind of cut version. They would never be able to see our whole hand. They'd only be able to see the layers that are going through there. My brain. That's so creepy. And <laughs> it really is. It made me think too about, um, well, the concept of sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. I've always, I, I saw, and I cannot for the life of me think of it now, but I saw a horror anthology that one of the shorts in it that I thought was really interesting was the concept of sleep paralysis related to parano par 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 parallel 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 universes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that, that in and up. of itself is is terrifying because sleep paralysis already is like uh, yeah yeah I mean, definitely there's definitely fertile ground there right uh, exactly so i feel like that could be the same thing with people with ghosts or the supernatural or anything now if you kind of think about it you're like well is that right a parallel universe yeah because we but don't know are we the ghosts <laughs> When you take, you know, the two-dimensional thing that I was just talking about, right, and you add, add enough, you add another dimension at a ninety-degree angle to the other two, right? Then you get a third dimension. You get us, right? So, but then they talk about the fourth dimension, which mm -hmm. is adding another, you know, axes, which is ninety degrees parallel to the other three, which we can't conceive of because we can't do it, but theoretically it's possible. Mm -hmm. So then, what are these fourth-dimensional things doing, right? And then. <laughs> you think beyond the fourth, right? <laughs> like, so, are we living yeah. in Stranger Things? Yeah, it's the upside. Is down. it the upside right. down? Okay, that's Which fine. I, like I like, like I mentioned, I had like this whole kind of theory on the pantheon of Lovecraftian, you know, hell beasts. And to me, the idea of like Cthulhu or Aza, um, Azathoth and and Shubdagurath and all the other funny guys, why they're so like terrible to view is because we're seeing a three-dimensional representation of a multi-dimensional creature. So we're only getting bits of it as oh. it passes through our three dimensions. God, that's even more terrible. Welcome, welcome to the <laughs> episode of DFW. I, say, I don't think our listeners were thinking they were going <laughs> to... People this is where you're at. Oh my god! My the way you just described that, my brain just hit a brick wall and was like, "Holy <laughs> or shit!" Or hopefully we introduce more people into into H.P. Lovecraft stuff because mm -hmm. especially if you go and read it and and think of it from that aspect, that makes it even more horrifying. Yeah, he was a. But it, one of the, one thing, other thing I want to say on this whole kind of nihilistic. Um, worldview that I put forth earlier. Um, <laughs> I definitely consider myself kind of, I consider myself a nihilistic optimist, right? I love so, it. <laughs> I don't think anything, I don't think anything matters, but there's a certain freedom in that. Yes. And a certain joy in that, you know, you have to make your own meaning. And it, and it also allows you to be more empathetic because you realize that, you know, just because something is important to you doesn't mean it's important to someone else. And just because something isn't important to you doesn't mean it's not important to somebody else. You know, you're not the yes. center of the universe. I'd really like to get that tattooed on my forehead. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> we need that on a billboard on every major interstate and highway. All of them. We need that. Instead like, of hell is real. Can we get that on a yeah, billboard? Yeah, can we please? get that on a billboard? <laughs> well, hell is real is more pithy. Right. It is. It fits on a bumper sticker. It's better. It's it's 
definitely more effective advertising. Um, <laughs> Christianity is definitely better advertising. Yeah. Those fucking assholes. If you don't think about it too much, you can use less words. Yes. I mean, you're right. Very true. Very true. Is there any... Uh, oh, well, no. I pivoted from the other question. Pivot! Um, the uh, actors, or actress specifically in the film, um, mm-hmm. have you worked with her before, or what was uh, her background prior to filming? So, the actress is Kate Jurdy, Um And her background is she's an actress. I mean, she's a sag after actress um and during covid um a friend of mine who's also an actress did a um a thing with other actress actors and actresses um where they were reading scripts right uh, over zoom um so she you know she contacted me and i said yeah and so i i had a script which actually now we're working on converting it to a feature um nice but um and she read for that and kate was one of the people who read for it as well um yeah i thought kate did a fantastic job in that so when i got to casting this film i contacted kate and she loved the script so she she was in and yeah kate's kate's a consummate professional she's extremely good at what she does um and she's part of she, you know, has become part of kind of the creative team that I that I lean on, which is, you know, three other people and myself, um, including my cinematographer and my assistant director. Um, and, you know, because she has this vast knowledge of film history and um, is just fascinated with film and uh, can often steer me away from my... Um, baser instincts maybe the right. like things that like they were like that's probably not a good idea i'm like eh, i'll sleep on it they're like yeah you're probably right <laughs> <laughs> that was actually you answered one of my questions i was going to ask if you were planning on making it a feature because i would i can't wait genuinely i can't wait till it's a full-length feature film as well yeah well when i'm making this into a feature however as i said my own little personal cinematic universe, right? They, all my ideas kind of take place in the same kind of universe, right? So this this film happened in the, the, the world of the, uh, the feature. Um, but uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed with the kind of concept of the feature. It's very kind of mindfuckery. Okay, Mr. Um, King. <laughs> <laughs> Having so it all like, happen in one universe. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we're shooting we're shooting a um a short in july we'll be shooting from the 21st to the 24th for principal photography um and you know that's just to kind of keep the momentum rolling right. um and also because i really feel like i need to shoot something um and we're working on or i'm working on the, the feature length script and i've already been speaking with a few uh, you know, possible production companies um, to get some funding for it because nice. I'm not going to be able to float this one myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, um, especially with a feature that it'll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the fact know, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. 
as as you say, the great thing about horror is, you know, it's got a built-in audience, right? Yes. And even a bad horror film can make its money back. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, having proved that my team and I can make movies, um, you know, hopefully it's not going to be too hard to get a, you know, a reasonable budget. Um, still a small budget, but um, I'm fine with that. Because as I said, thing, when I write scripts, I write to budget. You know, I don't. You know, right, and then the building collapses. You know, right, because you know, so. <laughs> you're like, because I can't. I can't. Directed by Michael Bay. I can't do that. <laughs> like, <right>. Explosions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I no, do. I do like the. Um, real quick though, I was gonna say that even I do like that they're existing in the same universe. That's but really I was cool. gonna say that with this short in particular, um, I love the. Im- the ambiguousness of the ending. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also a person that's a fan of, um, and I, I guess this is even going back to what you were saying about just uh, Lovecraft stuff or just how like the fear of there, there being no hope and things just being finite and they're like, that's it. I, I am, I'm a person that's actually a fan of horror films where there is no happy ending. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, Especially if it fits to the story, mm-hmm. I am a big fan of that. I actually do. I I personally like that. Um, I also think, it, and I think it's something that kind of sits with you a little longer after the film's over if it didn't particularly have. And I think again, that's one of those things because everybody wants a happy ending, right? Like most people want a happy ending. We want people go through horrible things. You kind of want it tied up in a pretty little bow and. But if it doesn't happen that way, it's sort of like, ooh. And then it like sits with, it's like it sits with you. And that's, oh yeah, that's what the end of No Signature Required did for me. It like, I sat with it. Like not only with the fact that I didn't know what was going on in the ending and it's very ambiguous at the ending, it, it sits with you. Because it's like, you're horrified all the way through and then you get to the ending and it's like, oh. <laughs> I think the movie that comes to mind when you're saying that for me is Oculus. I love it. Because I still don't know what the fuck happened. (laughs) Like, that movie had me so fucked up. Oh, that movie. It's... it's, And that's the reason why I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan was because of Oculus. Oculus really put me into his films and I was like, he... he It's the mirror. And I think with Oculus, too, I think it's going back with the doppelganger thing, with the, with the, that was one thing that pulled me in with Oculus. I've, I was, I've, I've always been creeped out by mirrors. And I think another, I think that's again, one of those things where it's like a version of yourself out there. Well, he also, and, he also does my favorite horror genre perfectly, which is paranormal psychological. He, right. he, he knows how to do it better than any other filmmaker I've ever seen yet. And like you were saying, Kenneth, The Haunting so, of Hill House, I feel yeah. like, is a perfect example oh my God. of that. And another one of those things that, another one of those that can be interpreted in many different ways. Like, for me, that show, for me personally, had a lot to do with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I told, yeah, I mean... I mean, I know it was, like, at the heart of it, but, like every single person it seemed like was a representation and i and i think too if you've if you've lost someone 
I've told people that I think that if you're going through a grief process, I think The Haunting of Hill House is probably one of the best things to ever watch. If you can handle it, yeah. Yeah, if you can handle it. I mean, it took it took me a while, but I was glad I I was glad I watched it. And it's you know. Um, and it's scary too. It's, it's scary as hell. Fuck. Like there were episodes I tried to watch at home by myself, and I'm like, I'm a grown person, and it's in the middle of the day, and I need. <laughs> I need someone here. <laughs> I'm so <Yeah>. scared. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 thematically dense, you know. There's, yes, as mm-hmm. you were saying, it's it's very much a, you know, a an a, a examination of of grief. Um, also, you know, addiction and mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a whole bunch going on in the, and family dynamics, and it's 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 just a very, um, yeah, it's just a great 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 movie and it's funny because like yeah i like shows and movies that end on a uh less than upbeat note because you know this is horror right yes <laughs> thank know. you and um but i also um i also like films that are kind of ambiguous but it's like to a point there's like a you gotta kind of it's a fine line i think because like um what's his name uh, i'm blanking uh Eraser head. Oh, uh, ooh, we were just talking about him. We uh, David Lynch. Yep. David Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal director. Yes, I agree. He's one of my favorites. But I find a lot of his films unsatisfying because at the end, I'm like, all right, well, like I see what he's done thematically and it's it's interesting and it's incredibly effective, but it doesn't make sense. You yeah. Know, like I don't think he's got an idea of what, you know, in a more mundane sense, what it all means, you know, it obviously means something on a deeper level, but I think for me anyway, I want it to mean something on a kind of surface level as well. I, I agree. Cause I think that can, I think that can maybe go too far where, and, and you're sort of like, Okay, am am I meant to interpret this movie how I watched it? Yeah. Cause then you cause then you could be watching a totally different movie than everybody else did, which I you know I don't know. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Eraserhead, but I could not I, well, I couldn't I couldn't tell anybody and I know that was like I think like his first one, but that's one of first, yeah. yeah, that's one of those like where if you if if nobody had ever seen it and they're like, Oh, what, what is it about? And it's kind of like, you really need to watch it for yourself. Cause I can't, yeah. I can't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> for me, Eraserhead is kind of a different category though, because like, that's just a nightmare. It is. Know? It is like, like it's I'm not okay supposed to not be real sense because right. it's just nightmare logic, you know? Um, so that's cool. But like Mulholland Drive is a prime example of a film that's just like, what? Yes! Oh my, okay, because I was trying to think of it and I was drawing a blank. Because that's always the one that everybody's like, oh, this movie is so, it's so, and you're like, so what? Because I've seen it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's a great movie. Visually and and visually it's gorgeous. It leaves me unsatisfied. It's visually gorgeous too. And I think that's where it gets a lot of people because cinematically there's so much going on. I I know. 
There's a and he, you know, he introduces a lot of really cool concepts and ideas as well. Yes, but they just don't feel fully baked. It feels like you there's know? so much going on that there's almost too much going on. So by the time you're at the end of the movie, you're like, okay, I like what I just watched, but I don't know what I just watched. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I've yeah. had movies like that where I. I've really enjoyed it, but I think if somebody asked me again, like, well, what was the movie about? I, I don't know. Yeah. And the thing is like, if I there really was that last know. piece, if, if at the end, you know, and it's, I, maybe it's like from the twilight zone, right? Like at the end there's this twist, you know, and, and yes. I don't think every movie needs a twist or whatever, but if there's that last piece of a mind fuck movie which are my favorite type of movies yes that pull it all together right that make you go oh then to me that's like the most satisfying thing in the world right mm-hmm. um it's just like yeah but um that's why when i like for um no signature required or really any movie i write i write a backstory as well which explains exactly what's going on nice and the intent is not to have it really show up in the film at all, but just so that I have a logical kind of narrative that I can, um, you know, uh, refer to to make sure that the film makes sense at least in one way. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as far as um, No Signature Required goes, is it going to be streaming on anything anytime soon or can you find it somewhere uh currently it's still in the um in the the uh oh, damn it uh <laughs> festival circuit i was gonna ask that yeah if you're okay. still if it's still being shown around which is awesome That's... yeah it is so i can't you know post it but that being said it is it has been picked up by three different streaming services and it's been included in two um, feature length, uh, you know, short. Um, anthologies? Anthologies, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Love Thanks. anthologies. Love me a good anthology. So, um, so yeah, it will be streaming. Um, I'm not sure exactly where yet, uh, but it should be streaming within a month or two. Nice. Heck yeah. Uh, Very nice. Awesome. And any so, yeah, idea I mean, for your your feature when you're wanting it to come out, or is that because you said you were of... shooting in July? Right? Yeah. Well, I'm shooting the short in July. Oh, the okay. short in July, right? Yeah, the feature will probably, hopefully, get funding for that uh, towards the end of the summer or early fall, and then we will probably probably shoot in the spring. Nice. Yeah, Thank I you. don't like shooting in cold weather. <laughs> Unless I have to, and um, in Massachusetts, also, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, I've no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and also I I like to spend as much time in pre-production as I can. So yeah. Um, I just I wanted to ask real quickly before we let you go, and thank you again so yeah, so much for so doing much. this. Um, I myself have been thinking about, um, and I've actually been throwing the idea around for probably about the last three years now of uh, a concept for my own short film. Um, And this would be like my, I have no background in film. I've never written a script or even given it a thought, but uh, I I just, I love movies. I love films. Um, 
And uh, I think that that's probably how a lot of independent people start, probably like me, where they're just like, you know what, I really like movies, and I have this idea, and I think I could do it, so maybe. Um, Do you have any advice for anybody like me that's thinking about doing it, or maybe in the start of doing it, or, or just, you know, like, have a passion for it, or like, you know, this is, I think this is something that I really, I really want to do? I have a ton of advice. (laughs) I want to hear it Um, personally and professionally and for our audience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So first of all, one thing I see at a lot of uh, festivals is films that are are pretty good, but would have been so much better if they spent a little more time working on the script. Right. Like, I don't understand why people would go through the intensive backbreaking process of making a movie without going into it with the best, you know, material they could possibly have. So number, my number one thing is, you know, work on the script, uh, get other people to read it. Um, you know, your first draft is never going to be particularly good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> revise it, revise it, revise right. it. Um, and either there's a, like there's a company called We Screenplay, which does um, what they call uh, what's called um, uh, coverage. So basically, you send them a script, and they have people who read scripts for a living nice. go through it, and they give you kind of notes. Right? Um, I found that to be very useful. It, it helps to like you'll get depending on who reads it you get better or worse notes. Yes. You find somebody you like, they have a little code, you don't know their name, but they have a little code. You can put that in and you get the same guy reading it all the time and I, I found that's very useful. Um, but script, they're good script. Uh, and two, hire people who know what they're doing to do things you're not good at. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, you know, my first two films, I, I basically wore all the hats, right? I had my friends helping me out they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Um, so I'm, you know, cinematographer, uh, location, sound, director, you know, it's, and it's too, it's too much. First of all, you can't direct when you're doing all that stuff. And second of all, like, I'm not a particularly good cinematographer, right? I can point a light and I can, I can get a, an image, you know, properly, um, uh, you know, exposed, but it doesn't make it a good image. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, find, excuse me, finding people who know what they're doing to deal with the stuff that, you know, you don't is key. I think, you know, filmmaking is a collaborative process and, um, you know, and that's, that's been, that's been a, a kind of a, a, a watchword, you know, throughout my entire life is do what you're good at and hire people who are, better at stuff you're not Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and um the other thing would be to rent equipment right like I've, i bought a bunch of equipment and that's you know it's fine to buy equipment kind of once you're kind of sure you're going to keep on doing this but initially you know you rent the camera rent the lenses rent the lights um you know it's not that expensive to rent this stuff especially if you're not you know renting like an airy camera uh, or airy lenses which there's no need to do right <laughs> um you know um i shot 
no signature on a Blackmagic 6K Pro, which is a $2,500 camera, you know, as opposed to a $70,000 Alexi, uh, Alexi, uh, Airy, um, or even a 20000 whatever dollar red. Hell no. Um, That's not, a, that wouldn't even be close in the budget. <laughs> yeah, Somebody like me. And, I would, yeah, and renting I'll, for sure. And I'll tell you, the Blackmagic, you take something shot on a Blackmagic and you compare it to something shot on, uh, you know, an Airy, and 99 point something percent of people aren't going to be able to tell the difference. Right. And nobody's going to be able to tell the difference unless they're shown the, in the footage side by side. You know, I mean, the, the, how close you can get with a good, you know, cinema camera, good quote unquote budget cinema camera to, you know, again, technology, right? Yes. Um, and uh, those would be my main, those would be my main things, you know, don't waste, don't, don't cut corners on pre-production. Make sure that, you know, you've got your set list, make sure you've got, I mean, not your set list, you've got your shot list. Um, you've got your storyboards, you've got your script, you're, you, you feel like you've got everything as good as it can be before you start filming. And then, and then the other thing was when you're filming, just roll with it because weird things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. Um, just roll with it. Don't get uptight. Don't get anxious. Don't just kind of just go, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, Especially, you know, if you're the director, that kind of sets the tone for the entire crew, the entire shoot. You know, if, if you're all anxious and, and you know, then they're going to be anxious. And it, that's not going to, that's not going to, you know, transfer into a quality product. That's going to, everybody's not going to be on their game. That's good life advice, too. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate that, especially the, the, the thing about the script because I when you said that it all of a sudden like a plethora of movies started hitting me where if the dialogue is off it will take you completely oh, out of you the out movie so bad. Oh my God. like you're you're out you know your yeah. brain is just like okay squirrel shiny like you're <laughs> you're you're done after that I mean it it yeah I, I've I've seen oh, many and, and, a movie where uh. Yeah, <laughs> the dialogue or lack thereof takes you out. Have we seen where you know you don't give a shit about anybody because they're all assholes, right? <sighs> like Ari Aster is. You can bring Ari Aster back in, and Mike Flanagan, and you know a whole bunch of people is really good at is creating characters you actually care about. Yes, you mm -hmm. know because they're human and they're sympathetic, and you know you're like, yeah, I can see, I like these people. Where if you get these, you know, I can name a thousand films where you just have these obnoxious teenagers that suck, that don't act like anybody you've ever met in your fucking life. And uh, it's like, I hope they die. The newest, <laughs> the newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that we did an entire <sighs> podcast on because of how much we hated it. <laughs> yes, that is a prime example. Like, who the fuck were these people? <laughs> we we literally both said that you like you we we both said to each other like you know we've always done episodes of movies that we love we need to do one where we just eviscerate it because we hate the movie so much and yeah, I'm so one. glad I'm so glad we did because I hardly I had, could even get through the I had thing. never I was rooting for Leatherface so hard I don't think yeah. I've ever rooted for a villain 
so hard through the entirety of the film. <laughs> right. And you compare that to the original Texas Chainsaw, right? Where the characters were all, like, believable. Yes. And, and you know, and you, you felt empathy for them. Uh, which made... The original one was terrifying is, for that reason. Yeah. The original one. Because it right, felt so it. real. It was like a snuff original. film, almost. But, yes, but at the same time, there's very little blood in it. Much like mm -hmm. Halloween, mm -hmm. you know? It's just because these horrible things were implied, basically, to be happening to these people that you, you know, that it was horrifying. Whereas the most recent one, you know, he's running through a freaking bus with a chainsaw and you don't give a shit. Oh, my God. You wanted all of them to die. So I was... Yeah. <laughs> Becky used to hate the movie Unfriended until I told her you're actually rooting for everyone to die and now she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, those could be fun to watch too, for that reason. Exactly. Uh, right. On a route for the uh, for the killer. Right. But I don't think that was what they intended. <laughs> no, no. Probably not. It, I'm I'm sure they weren't. I I think yeah. they were. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> this is our new final girl, and I'm like, what no. in the fuck are any of these people? I want all of them to die. I don't give a shit. So it's yep. good for a one-time first watch because it was fun, but. Exactly. You're oh, I like, struggle. You're like I, I have struggle. no. I I have no desire. I would never watch this again. I yeah no. I I'm yeah. done. I'm I'm fully done with this. Yeah. Early on in that film, I realized it was horrible, and um, at that point, I just watched for the for the the, the gas uh, station. The gas station scene. I knew immediately. I, I'm watching yeah. it. The gas station. I'm like, oh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yep. like, oh my God. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And then he killed everybody. And literally everybody died. And I was like, yay. Yep. And then the movie. And then, and then you're just watching for um, the, you know, what are they called? So I think Sam Raimi coined the term. Um, uh, splat stick. Yes. You know, you're just watching for the splat stick. That's and, it. And it's got some good splat stick. Good, I'll good kills. I'll, gi I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Good, good kills. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, so. Thank you so much for that advice, though. Uh, I think a lot of listeners that have given it a thought are going to take that into consideration. And I know for myself, I'm definitely going to take that into consideration. Like I said, I have a, I, I have a concept in mind, but there's been no rough draft script or anything yet. So <laughs> I would also yeah, like well, to... I mean Hopefully if that time will come concept, at some point, but just, just, I mean, what I do is I let it percolate until I've got, you know, at least a kind of complete story and yes. then I just write it and the first draft is horrible, but you've got something and then you can start whittling away at it. Um, She's exactly. told me her concept idea and it's fucking great. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's goes and she has right. her producer and, sitting right here too. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the social you media know. promoter. <laughs> and if you know somebody a talented crew with an iphone will make a better film than untalented people with an airy you know <laughs> it's um what you can do you know even with just an iphone and, and some lights if if you know what you're doing is fairly is extremely impressive actually so yeah don't let you know financial issues or anything else get in your way just uh find some good people and make a movie i appreciate that and i and i plan on it 
So, um, Kenneth, thank well, you so much. let me know when you do, because I want to see it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Listen, you're, you're on the questions. list, man. <laughs> it's like everybody that she's, everybody that we've talked to, all the Horror Hound Film Fest people, I'm like, we need to get every, everybody to, that we've talked to together to watch your movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's where a lot of the in- inspiration came from, was us being able to be involved um, with the media aspect of the film festival. I, I, we both have had such a deep love for films. I have such a deep love for for film films filmmaking film history literally all of it and i always 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 had the concept of doing something for so long and then when when the film festival happened we got to meet you and so many other filmmakers and i'm like i, I think i think what happened is like the bug bit you know what i mean and now it's like the itch is there so mm-hmm. now it's like okay like i i i'm 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 going to make this happen like i'm going to I'm, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> the itch just the itch just keeps getting stronger and stronger. <laughs> well, you know how to contact me, and if you have any questions or could you, you know, if you have any, if I can point you in the right direction at any point, feel free to give me a, a buzz. I appreciate that. I really do. Thanks a lot, Kenneth. I really do. Thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you so um, much. This has been a lot of fun. You are a friend of the show, so yep. um, any new stuff that you have coming out, we definitely would love to have you back on. Um, and uh yeah we just really appreciate being able to make this happen because like we said we both really enjoyed no signature required i mm-hmm. can't wait to watch it again i have i've had yet to show it to my husband um he's he's kind of he's a horror fan but definitely a little bit pickier and the type of stuff that he likes um but i think this is going to be he he likes that type of concept like stuff that is yeah so i think this will be right up his alley so i can't wait to watch it with him and watch it through his eyes it'll be it'll be fun very cool yeah and, and i'm so happy you guys like the film and thank you for having me on i really appreciate it um it was great talking to you yeah absolutely awesome. well um yeah like we said like you've got my number now too so anytime you've got something you want to promote or something new coming out just hit us up we would we love always, to have you back on always have you back on that's not a problem at all we'd love to have you well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely hit you guys up once we're uh, further into the production of this new film. Awesome. Yes. Can't wait. And let us know when, uh, give me a buzz too, when it goes, when uh, No Signature Required actually streams. Yes. Um, Please do. That well, way we can let everybody know. And before you go, um, if you want to plug anything, um, if there's anything you'd like to plug, plug your away. socials or whatnot, go ahead, go right ahead. I think the only thing I would plug is um, the Instagram of Death Whistle Films. Um, which is Death Whistle Films on Instagram, uh, which I don't update nearly as often as I should, but um, if I had more followers, I probably would. Everybody so. follow them. Just go follow. <laughs> Just go follow. Show all the support. Go follow, follow Death Whistle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kenneth. Well, we hope you have a good night, and thanks again. Thanks again. Have a good night. Well, thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. It was so awesome having Kenneth on. Um, yeah, that was super cool. Uh, I really liked, uh, I really can't wait for you guys to see this short because it's such a great concept. And, you know, we're always looking for new concepts all the time. Yeah, anybody that didn't, uh, wasn't able to go to Whorehound and see it or any of the other film festivals that it's been a part of, um, we will definitely keep you posted once it's streaming so that everybody can enjoy it because it, it it was great it was a great 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 concept i love the invasion of the body snatchers thing too yeah because when, when he said it i was like 
Boom. Got it. Right there. Yep. It was very, very good. I just was, it's, it's like, it's just been a while since I've been very wowed at a horror short as much as I was wowed at, um, we're creeped out about it. Like we've watched, we've, we've watched some amazing Lights shorts. Lights out. We, yeah, we've watched some amazing shorts. Yeah, so but actually movies, like, but like. Yeah. To have the, but, and I think that's been the beauty of everybody we've interviewed and what we've had to watch is because even though they're, they're horror, they've all been from different genres yep. of horror. We've had yep. slasher, we've had sci-fi eighties, we've had psychological, psychological and trauma grief related and, and paranormal really. and, and then, and then we've had, uh, no things required, which is just, it, 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 was creepy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It definitely was unsettling. And I am right there with him with the decapitation thing. Oh my God. Which is the Tony Collette and the piano wire and the. Ooh. So next week, guys, we are. Uh, kind of bringing it back to some. some we're home, done with we're interviews. Some hometown stuff. We're, we're done, done with done interviews, interviews right now. So um, it'll be going back. We are, to our and we just want to thank everybody that. Yes, thank you uh, so all much. All the filmmakers that we've that we've talked to, everybody that we've got to interview and meet, and I cannot wait to do another Orham Film Festival for anybody that's asking um, or wondering. Uh, we will not be going to the I don't we're not going to be a part we're not going to go to Indianapolis are we there is no way yeah. I can shake that there yeah. is no so way. if anybody was wondering if we were going to be able to do that unfortunately this year no um just not in the cards we would love to but just financially physically mentally spiritually we're just not going to be able to do it um, a lot of it comes down to the fact that it was a lot of, it's financial and, you know, there's stuff that we have planned to do this year and, um, kind of big things. And, um, I just had a sick kitten and it was almost $500. So a lot of, a lot of just life in the way, but that doesn't mean that next year won't be happening. Um, we would love to be a part of next year's, yes. uh, in Cincinnati, we would we would love it. We had so much fun this year. It was such an amazing, wonderful, uh, awesome opportunity and experience. And we got to meet so many filmmakers and it was just such a, I, I loved it. I cannot, I, I would love to be a part of the film festival every chance that we can in Cincinnati. And then hopefully one day be able to be a part of the um, Indianapolis one. Um, but yeah, next week will not be an interview. Um, we're, 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 bringing some hometown Cincinnati to you guys. And we're going to be talking about one of the most famous cemeteries, Spring Grove Cemetery here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, how fucking haunted it is. Um, I would also like to special mention that um, when I was a junior in high school, they took us to Spring Grove Cemetery for a field trip. So cool. Um, shout out to my high school. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but... It is, I mean, I know most people are like, well, cemeteries, duh, Becky, like, they're dead people, aren't they haunted? No, not, no. not like this. Not like this one. I f not like this one. Spring <laughs> Grove is one of the very, very, one of the only ones that I have actually not felt peaceful in. And it's not that I don't feel evil 
or anything like that. I just don't feel at rest. Mm-mm. Like I don't feel Mm-mm. peace. Mm-mm. And that was a very strange. That was very strange to feel in a in a cemetery. Every time very I've been weird. back since that first time that I went in high school, I've I've even driving past there, driving past that cemetery, it's like you get like a. Mm-hmm. So uh, can't wait to talk about that. And um, yeah, so that's next week. All right. Well, um, I believe that's all. So, uh, you guys, of course, we all have we we all have we have all the socials: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast. Handle is DFWTO eighty eight eleven. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, um, or have any ideas for the podcast, send us an email at DFWTO eighty four ninety three at gmail dot com. And lastly, give us a follow and a subscribe and a rate or a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Uh, You'll always know when we put new episodes out, which is every Wednesday, which should be from now until if something was to happen. And definitely on Spotify, because apparently, uh, I don't know what's been going on. I've been hearing about other podcasts saying that apparently iTunes doesn't, (laughs) ratings on there kind of don't really matter anymore. But um, Spotify's new rating system definitely uh rate and review over there because that that helps boost our numbers a lot um so please do yeah i think that's it that's all i got oh i just want to let everybody know that it is uh real quick my birthday weekend and i will possibly be seeing the boogeyman this weekend um so i will let everybody know i will post about it um and let everybody know next wednesday how it how it was uh i've been hearing some mixed things but two people that i trust a lot with movie reviews said that like there were scenes where people like audibly screamed in the theater and i am fucking ready for that i have only done that i'm ready to be scared i'm ready to be scared no once i've only done that one time Audibly screamed. It was The Conjuring 2. Yeah. My house, bitch! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, ugh, in my ear. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, okay, guys. All uh, right. Well, we hope you guys have a wonderful week. Uh, we'll be back next week with some games. These spooky, scary, scary, spooky stuff. Spooky, scary skeletons. Literally. I think I said spooky and I meant to say spooky. Nope. Okay. Spooky, scary, scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, have a good weekend. Remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. original. Bye.